Hi. Hello, everyone. I'm Sylvia. I'm Allison. And this is... Gov Topic! Right off the bat, in case you can't tell, um, my voice is only half participating today. So that means I'm the stronger voice. <laughs> so this episode will be completely inaudible. Just... <laughs> Fun fact, the microphone isn't even near me. It's like, it's basically in Allison's face. Yeah. And I'm still the louder one. (laughs) And my voice is like half working and I'm still the louder one. This will be like, it'll be like a subliminal message episode. (laughs) Also, my girlfriend is watching videos in in the room next door. So if you faintly hear people talking, that's just her. Supergirl. She needs to know what happens. Yeah. That's what she's watching, apparently. <laughs> so, so this episode's actually going to come out after Christmas, in which case, happy holidays, everyone. Happy holidays. Happy Christmas. How's your holidays? You know what? I think it went pretty well. You know, um, mm-hmm. my family and I got together and went to my uncle's house first, where they asked again why... Alice wasn't there, thinking that she's just avoiding them, when in reality, whenever they host a party, she really just can't show up. Yeah, it's like she has work and her own family, too, so, like... Yeah, Christmas Eve is, um, is her mom's birthday. Oh, that's fun. So I'm sure they're like, why isn't she here? Yeah, every time they're just like, why didn't Alice come? And I'm like, yo, fun fact, it's her mom's birthday. Yeah, I I think that's a good reason not to show up. (laughs) Binx is very excited. It is 10 o'clock at night. He gets to stay up late because it's Friday. Mm. As you heard in the last episode, this is past my bedtime, so I'm having fun. This is like time for second dinner for me. (laughs) So, as we were saying, this is past Christmas. How was your Christmas? I mean, I can't really foretell the future, so I'm assuming it's good. But you... You mean you can't? No. What? I'm sorry, I'm a fraud. I'm just learning this. Do do you still want to be friends? I'll think about it. We might have to cancel this podcast though. Alright. Well, I'll just I'll just upload these this minute three minute (laughs) and a half video. (laughs) Bye everybody. Bye. How many times has this podcast ended on this podcast? It ended in the very first episode. It ended in the first like five minutes of the first episode. (laughs) So just because Christmas is over. Doesn't mean the holidays are over. Yeah. And of course, it also does not mean that we can't talk about spooky things. Yeah. Regarding the holiday. So this is like our Christmas present to you. It's a little late. Sorry. Yeah. It took a while to get here. We didn't wrap it. Yeah. Yeah, We were supposed to record it last week and upload it last week. But on my way home from a terrible day of work, I got into like... It was icy here in Jersey, and a car hit me. And I'm oh like, this is the last thing I want to do right yeah. now. I want to eat and sleep. Yeah. So we were trying to think of, like, goth Christmassy things to do. Other than the nightmare. Yes. we're not Christmas. Yes. Maybe next year we'll do, like, a radio play of it for our Christmas episode, where it's just the <laughs> two of us acting it out. I was going to say we could do commentary. Oh, that'd be fun, too. Fine, yeah. (laughs) But next year. But for now, we thought we would share with you one of our true loves in life, aside from gothiness, and that's true crime. True crime and scary stories. Yes. 
We mentioned this in, like, the last one where we talked about, like, you know, that Christmas carol that mentions, like, sharing ghost stories, and you were like, who shares ghost stories on Christmas? And I'm like, um, me? (laughs) Well, these aren't quite ghost stories, but they are scary, so they're close. Okay, do you want me to first say, like, these weird traditions, and then you could say, then we can get into true crime? Sure. Okay. Yeah. So... Totally not showing that we changed our topic into partially researching this, but... I really thought there was going to be a lot more dark history-related things. Yeah, because it's like, you you think about Christmas and what it represents, and it's like, there has to be some, like, dark stuff in there. Like, look at Krampus, we have the scary black cat of Christmas. (laughs) Krampus was, like, the first thing that came to my mind, but at the end of the day, you know, what... Basic, I feel like the basics of what people know of Krampus is like, that's it. Krampus is a horned figure who's described as half goat, half demon. He kind of looks like Satan. Sometimes he looks like Santa Satan. And he punishes the bad kids. He eats them. He whips them. He puts them in his bag and he takes them away. Wait, in what order? Whichever. (laughs) How do you eat someone then whip them? (laughs) You hit your belly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, that's just insult to injury. And I told Allison this when we were texting. Uh, fun fact, the newer movie, Krampus, that came out in what? 2014, 15? 20... I don't know. <laughs> the newer, the new movie, Krampus, that came out a few years ago, um, that was my girlfriend and I's first, like, real date. How romantic. <laughs> yeah, and that's the one where we were early and she's like, oh, you want to go to Home Depot to kill time? And I laughed. <laughs> <laughs> so we got Krampus, the um, the god of Home Depot. <laughs> Stop it! The, the lesbian god of Home Depot, Krampus. Stop it! Lesbian icon, Krampus. <laughs> I still have the movie stub saved. Oh, that's so gay. It was like four or five years ago, and the movies were like four or five dollars cheaper. This is why the movie industry is dying. Yep. Unrelated, back to Christmas. <laughs> back to spooky Christmas. Um, now, carolers. I don't remember how the whole Christmas carol goes, but I know there's, like, the second verse where it's like, now give us some figgy pudding. Yeah. Like, okay, that whole verse is literally what carolers would do. They'd be like, now give us food. We're not leaving until we get food and wine. If it stinks, we're gonna break your door down until we find something good, and if we don't, we're gonna beat you. It's so funny. That actually reminds me. So me and Eric were listening to Christmas carols the other day, and he didn't know that the won't we won't stop until we get some. We won't stop until mm-hmm. we get some. He didn't think that was actually part of the song. Like he thought that was like a spoof that someone made, and oh. I'm like, no, that's actually part of it. Yeah. And he was like losing his mind. He's like, wait a minute. So my whole childhood was a lie. <laughs> the first time I ever heard that part was in Rugrats, uh-huh. and like. I, at first, like, I didn't register, like, when the carolers were saying it, but then I think it was Phil who was like, well, someone please get them that figgy pudding so they could stop. <laughs> and, like, that's why I registered. Like, oh, they're asking for food. I don't know. Baby brains. Yes. Um, this we kind of mentioned last time, how basically the whole Christian holiday of Christmas is stolen from the pagans. Yep. So, December 25th coincides with the Roman festivities of Saturn. Saturnalia? 
Ternalia? Can you pronounce that I'm word? I honestly don't know. I have seen it before, but... It's like the word Saturn. Saturnalia? I'm not sure. A-L-I-A. Yeah. I'm sorry, I don't speak Latin. <laughs> Me neither. So that one, Hanukkah and the winter, sol- the winter solstice. The winter soldier. Thank you. <laughs> and that holiday was a lot of people's favorites because it had unrestrained drinking. Yeah. Role reversal between slaves and their masters. That just sounds amazing. That sounds and then, kinky. And then it just stays like that. <laughs> Criminals were allowed to run rampant. Oh my God. Can we do that? Like for Christmas this year, we just let everyone out of prison. And then this is my favorite part. The wealthy were encouraged to give gifts to the to the poor to avoid robbery. Can we do that? Like, I'm gonna, I'll threaten to rob some rich people if it means giving back to the community. You just go to the rich people with your crystal shank. Yeah. Be like, give me. <laughs> we won't stop until we get, get some. We won't stop until we get some. That's what 99% of the country has to do to the 1%. Literally. Like, we just gotta storm them. They can't stop us all. Exactly. Oh, have you seen the memes when that was going around where people are like, you guys are so close to understanding a revolt. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, was that for the Area 51 thing where like... Yeah, because people are like, yeah. let's take that energy and aim right. it at the billionaires. They yeah. can't stop us all. Yeah, they really can't. So I actually heard about this from a friend in high school. And it w- it's about uh Natal, which is the Portuguese Santa, where apparently... Um, if kids didn't leave him a stick of butter, he would eat your toes. Now, I'm Portuguese, and I've never heard of that. I searched high and low, and I have concluded, unless someone can correct me, that this was just an SNL skit, and that it's there's not really any facts behind it. I mean, it sounds legit to me. <laughs> and, like, I found an entire website about, like, different Christmas traditions for Portuguese people, and mm-hmm. I was like... Yep, 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 yep. Like going down like yeah. the whole thing, and I'm yeah. like, nowhere did it mention butter and toes. Yeah. Butter <laughs> toes. Stop. <laughs> and well, I think we should reincorporate um, that into our celebration of Christmas. I agree. And the last thing I have is um, package stealers uh, because recently we had, unfortunately, a UPS driver who was killed for his truck full of packages that's crazy yes it was very unfortunate and you know you hear it all the time like these people like walk around and they just pick up packages and there's some videos that people like to laugh at of these people like falling or stuff but you know some people do go to extremes Mm -hmm. my condolences go out to that gentleman's family He was just working. Yeah, no, it's not fair that he has to pay the ultimate price because some mm-hmm. people are stupid. And what and what did that and amount to? The cops yeah. caught him very quickly. Yeah. It's like someone's life isn't worth a bunch of random packages. Exactly. Oh. Like, I actually thought that this package that came in today was stolen. Because mm-hmm. it was supposed to come in yesterday and it said delivered, mm-hmm. but it wasn't there. So I was, like, freaking yeah. out. But it turned out the post office like took it back and they're like we're gonna hold on to this we're gonna deliver it tomorrow okay weird the best part is is like when they don't even know what they're stealing like it's a mystery package Mm -hmm. one time what was it someone stole from me one time we caught it we got it back but it was like it was something so dumb it was for the pets (laughs) 
think it was like a goodness i can't remember but i was like enjoy your stupid like dog bowl you jerk yeah no it's like it's so not worth it Oh, now I remember. I have a litter genie, and it was like the bags refills for the no! litter genie. <laughs> I'm like, enjoy your litter genie bags. Yeah. Honestly, that's what... They don't even deserve that. They deserve just nothing. They deserve mm-hmm. a big lump of coal. <laughs> they, they deserve for Krampus to eat their toes yep. in a lesbian way in Home Depot. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Let's get on to true crime. Yeah. So, segueing from... Stealing packages. Oh, true crime. Ah, true ah, crime. Ah, true crime. I'm gonna sip some water. <laughs> yes, please hydrate yourself. So, after we couldn't find many scary Christmas traditions because people are lame, we were like, hey, <laughs> let's do some Christmas murders. And I remember you were like, do those exist? Are there like killer, Sa- killer Santas? And I was like, oh, <laughs> yes, there are. I don't know why my first thought was like killer Santas. Yeah, there's actually one case I was thinking about doing that involved a killer Santa, but um, I didn't do that one because I wanted to do another one. So this part is fun because while we were trying to decide what are some Christmas crimes to talk about, like, oh my gosh, like literally racking our brains. And I think it was like in the middle of the night or something, one of us woke up and we're like, oh my God. Yeah. There are JonBenet Ramsey. Oh my God. Yeah. Because <laughs> when, when we talk, we're talking about christmas murders i was i immediately went to like christmas themed murders mm-hmm. where something about it was like kind of themed like I, worked into it somehow i found one like that yeah so we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about jean benet at the end of this mm-hmm. episode we prepared two cases one each mm-hmm. and then we're just gonna like explode about all the opinions we have on jean benet mm-hmm. another Honorable mention before Allison gets to discuss her case. I <laughs> I like that we decided that I'm going first. <laughs> well, because I already did like all these. Fine. So you're going first. Good. Um, I originally wanted to do because I also had like an epiphany moment where I'm like, oh, duh. I wanted to do the disappearance and murder of Lacey Peterson. Yeah. Which but- is another one. Sorry to cut you off, but I didn't realize that that happened around Christmas time. Yeah, I completely forgot. That's one of the reasons why this case was so, like, broadcasted across the media. Because it's mm-hmm. like, woman eight months pregnant with her first baby goes missing on Christmas Eve. Yeah, that's that just sells papers right there. Yeah. But, um, so I had seen the six-part docuseries. So I'm like, I know what I need to know. But I went on the internet to get details. Yeah. So I'm like, ah, don't know. Yeah, no. I feel like you could definitely... Even with Jean Benet, you can fall down rabbit holes with those. Which is why we're not talking about her. We're just going to quickly discuss the Yeah. Topic. I feel like quick discussing is, like, our cases are going to be, like, 15 minutes at max. And then the Jean Benet part's going to be, like, an hour and 15 minutes. Possibly. So, I know, like, a lot of podcasts discuss true crime and sometimes it can be a little fishy. And mm-hmm. it doesn't always sound like... People are being genuine. Yeah, it's really interesting that so many true crime podcasts are now also comedies. Mm-hmm. So it's like true crime slash comedy. I think it's because they're supposed, they're trying to be like entertaining yeah. because yeah. these are dark and gloomy subjects and just hearing about very factual, this happened and this and this and that and everyone mm-hmm. died. The end. Mm-hmm. It's like, 
It brings you down. So there's yeah. jokes here and there to like lift you up. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to do our best to, yes, of course, you know, we're going to still be the goofballs that we are, but we're going to also put a disclaimer here now that if we do make jokes, we're not making light on what happened to these people. Yeah, absolutely not. I mean, like we just said now with the UPS guy, mm-hmm. like, we talk about unfortunate events, but we understand that they are unfortunate. Yeah. And we're not trying to make fun of what had happened. Mm-hmm. We're just, you know, we're trying to find the light in some of the darkest stuff that and there is. Oh, I see the light. Get out of here. Okay, bye. That was so heartfelt and good, and then you gotta bring in... Tangled? Tangled. Tangled. <laughs> See, that's how we're gonna go about it. We're gonna be serious, but then there's gonna be one nonsense in, yeah. in between to break away from the doom and gloom and to remind you that there is still so. Binks is chasing a bug. I think. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Well, so is your case, Allison. Sylvia, would you like to learn about the Santa Lion slaying? No. Yes, please. <laughs> Well, I mean, if I'm going to... I don't want to be rude about it. If you don't want to hear about it, I can, like, no, juggle. No, please, please tell me about Santa's killing. Is this about Killer Santa's? This is not about Killer Santa. Damn. This is about a, a murder that actually happened while people were waiting in line to see Santa. What? At a department store. Oh, my God. Yes. I work in one. This happened in your exact store. <laughs> I actually just... I got the update right now. I was wrong. It happened right when you work. It's so spooky. We don't even have Santas. Maybe that's why we don't have Santas. Yeah. <laughs> they banned Santas. Okay. So I'd like to, for visual reference, imagine a Santa line that you've been in. Mm-hmm. Not fun, right? Lots of chaos, lots of commotion, lots of screaming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So just imagine a crime taking place there. Because mm-hmm. that's exactly what happened on the night of December 21st, 1971. So, our story takes place at a Higby's department store in Cleveland, Ohio. That's not my story, you lied. I did. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> I fooled you. I just wanted to get your attention, because I know you wouldn't pay attention otherwise. <laughs> yeah, if it's not about me, I don't care. <laughs> I, I don't even know if Higby's still exists, honestly, because there's so many department stores that have just gone under because no one goes to department stores anymore. I'm going to look it up. Continue. But, uh, yes. So, this department store, from what I've gathered from reading about this case, was huge. Like, this happened on the 10th floor. I think, I think the whole building underneath it was that department store. So, this is on the 10th floor of that department store. So, just imagine it's December 21st. Everyone is there at the mall doing last Christmas, like last minute Christmas shopping, and there's a huge line for children to go see Santa. So again, you can imagine how crazy it is. You know, all these families are going there. The kids are excited to see Santa. They're fueled on sugar and Christmas hope and dreams. And unfortunately, it ends in chaos and the death of a man. So yes, this case is interesting because it seems very cut and dry at first, but there are several different accounts of what has actually happened. Can I cut you off real quick? Uh-huh. Higby's um, was defunct in 1992. Okay. 
So this this does not exist anymore. There's actually not too much we know concretely about what actually happened. Like, we have a general idea of what happened, but what actually transpired changes depending on who you ask, and some of their accounts even change over time. So what we know for a fact is that this man, Jack Fitzpatrick, was at the mall with his four children and his pregnant wife. So the wife was off shopping with one of the daughters, and he was in line with three of them. And also in line is Tyrone Howard. He is in line with his three children and also his pregnant wife, which is a weird similarity that I noticed. Yeah. I was like, is that correct? Or someone mix up the facts? Or that's really weird. Mm-hmm. There's these parallels here. But anyway, he is also waiting in line to see Santa. At some point, the two get into an altercation and... Jack is actually the one that loses his life. That's it, as far as we know concretely. And what actually happened, like I said, changes depending on who you ask. So I'm going to go through the different versions of this story. So let's go with Tyrone Howard's story. Okay. This is the um, the murderer? Yes, this is the murderer. Okay. So he is waiting in line with two of his sons, and he tells his wife, who is pregnant again, and their youngest son, to go sit, find a seat and that he will call them over when they're closer to the front of the line. I think they had to wait like another 45 minutes is what I read, because this line was huge and it was taking forever to get over to see Santa. Mm -hmm. Understandable. Your wife's pregnant. Yeah, it's like, of of course you're not going to make her stand this whole time, you know? Mm -hmm. So when they get closer to the front of the line, he calls them over. And it's like, oh, we're about to see Santa. Oh, don't tell me this jacked man is behind him in line. I don't know if he's, like, directly behind him or if he's a few people down, but he is behind him in line, and he sees these people coming over, and he thinks that they're cutting in line. Mm -hmm. Jack and a bunch of other people start yelling at Tyrone, being like, hey, she can't cut the line, blah, 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 not realizing that that's his wife and kids, and they're all going to see Santa together. Mm -hmm. So things get very heated between Tyrone and Jack, and they exchange some words, and a fight breaks out. At one point, Jack nails uh, Tyrone to the floor, or I believe it was either the floor of a wall, and this part confused me so much. So they're fighting, and a woman hands him a nail file, Tyrone, which he uses to stab Jack to death in self-defense. Yeah, and there are several witnesses that corroborate this. So, yes, a random woman in the crowd, according to Tyrone and these witnesses, handed him a nail file, which he used to stab this man to death. Okay, I'm assuming, first of all, it's either a metal or a glass nail file, because I can't imagine those, like, rounded, soft foam ones. (laughs) He's just, like, bop him on the head. (laughs) That's the that's the worst you can do with that because I w- I was so confused even the metal nail file I'm thinking like the really thin ones it's like mm-hmm. yeah you could get a heck of a scratch out of it but I can't see someone like having enough force to kill yeah, someone there's either it. does it say like where he was stabbed because I'd imagine no. it would have to be soft yeah. spots like necks or I, eyes I couldn't find any information on as to where he was stabbed also like I don't know this confuses me because first of all. Shame on both of you 
mm-hmm. for causing such a scene. Mostly on Jack. Like, yeah. your kids are here. There are other kids. Yeah. Just, like, suck it up. Yeah, it was the whole thing, in at least in this version of the story, it's just a misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. So there's no reason to be, like, punching someone because his wife didn't want to stand and is joining him now, you know? Be, like, turn around and be like, my wife's pregnant. I told her to sit down. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> the line didn't get any longer. This yeah. is my group. Yeah. I think throughout all the versions of this story, something that really fed into how quickly it escalated was, it was racism. Just... We'll get to that. <laughs> I hate to be that person, but I'm just going by the names. We're, we're, we'll talk about that. But you jump in the gun a little bit. Am I wrong? Am I racist again? Put, put, a, put a pin in that. <laughs> Fun fact, I got called racist today at work. Are you going to explain that at all? I was helping one lady, and um, I turned around to answer another lady's question, and I got called racist. Yeah. Let's continue. You know, yes. <laughs> So, yes, random nail file. Stabby stab. Stabby stab. Yes. So, uh, people in the crowd tell Tyrone to flee because this man is gravely injured. So, he runs away to his mother's house and Jack Fitzpatrick dies in the hospital from the injuries he sustained. So, that is Tyrone Howard's version of events. What? They told him to run? Yes. I don't know. Like, the, the crowd was the most confusing character in this whole thing. Because, You're like, here's a weapon. Protect yourself. Oh, no. Yeah. You killed him by self-defense. Run away. Run. Yeah. It's not like, I'm calling the police or anything. Just run. Like, he should have just chilled there and been like, oh, my God, what did I do? Yeah. It's like, your family's still there, too. This your man is hurt. Pregnant wife yeah. saw this. So you're just gonna run? Like, <laughs> I don't know. So... Alright, I'm just gonna dispense some more facts that we know concretely. So, I said that the there was a random woman that handed him a nail file, and that was corroborated by people in the crowd. Mm-hmm. They never found who she was, and a big part of this case that's a mystery is that they never found the actual murder weapon. What? They never found the murder weapon. What? Yes. What? So... This is another thing that changes from story to story, is what actually was used to kill Jack. So this is just the story that, like, Tyrone's version of it, where he killed him with a nail file. Mm -hmm. Which makes me kind of question it. Like, the fact that this is the account that was backed up by some people who were in line was like, okay, maybe... But also, I, I can't wrap my head around the, the fact that he, he's saying that he killed someone with a nail file. Yeah. Like, that still bothers me. Because, like, obviously, I've used nail files before. I have nails. And I'm like, I, could, I couldn't kill someone with that. Yeah. What? What? All right. So, now let's go into the Fitzpatrick family's account of the story. So, this wait, would fi- be... Wait, Fitzpatrick, that yes. was... That's Jack? Yes, that's okay. Jack's family. Okay. His family. So... From what I saw, his wife was shopping with one of his daughters when this was occurring, as far as I could tell. So this is the account of the three daughters that he was with in line. So according to them, Jack didn't 
really wasn't really like the main aggressor in all of this. He was one of the people that said like, "Hey, this isn't right," and you know he wasn't the one to like start the fight. I doubt that, but continue. Yeah, yeah I was gonna say in the end. Most court testimony pointed to him being the initial aggressor in all of this, which I is honestly what I believe happened. Pause. Uh-huh. Here's this kind of nail file. I couldn't kill someone. Because I'm sure that thing's tiny. <laughs> yeah, it's probably tiny. <laughs> I'm just, like, looking up nail files yeah, now. I'm, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. I was like, that's, like, one of the most bizarre murder weapons I've ever heard of. So, anyway. Uh, Next th- to, like... Sorry. Next to Icicle. Icicle, I know everybody loves to point to Icicle as like a murder weapon. And it is also a murder weapon. I'm like, how do you kill someone with an Icicle? Shut up. But there's no evidence. So maybe that's what he used. Ooh, an Icicle. Yeah, because they they never found the weapon. Mm -hmm. I I don't really think that's what happened. Anyway, Jack's family testified that uh, Tyrone Howard cut the line numerous times. And that Jack told him, rather than just, like, screaming at him, it's not right to sponge in line. Sponge? It's not right to sponge in line. Doing the sponge. Yeah, I've never heard that phrase said before. And, um, actually, Howard's wife and other witnesses also testified that Fitzpatrick said this at one point, but that doesn't completely verify their story. It's just that phrase specifically was used. Mm Mm-hmm. So, then... Tyrone was the main aggressor in this version of events. And he, while they're fighting, he produces a knife from his jacket. And that's what he uses to stab Jack Fitzpatrick to death. Oh, so now it's a knife. Yes. Which I don't, I I feel like you wouldn't have a knife on you if you're going to the department store to see Santa with your family. Where is this, Ohio? This is in Cleveland, Ohio. Ah. I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, if it wasn't so illegal in our state, I would carry around a knife. <laughs> What's crazy? I just, it is. It is. I, I get that. <laughs> it's just I can't imagine you like carrying a knife. Like I tech so- I technically do carry a knife, but he can't do anything. I carry the legal knife. All right. So now uh, this podcast can't get in trouble with the law. <laughs> so yes, according to this. He had he just had a knife on him. He just happened to have one. And he had it in his jacket pocket, and that's what the murder weapon was. Again, murder weapon was never recovered, so we can't say for certain. I think it's really interesting that I'm pretty sure the court heard both sides of this, and they couldn't really match up the coroner's report to either. That was going to be my next question. Yeah. I couldn't really find anything on that, because it's like, obviously, the wounds from a knife would be very different than the wounds from a nail file. But, um, I, I don't know. That's really weird. I'm trying to think if there's any sort of, like, smaller concealed weapon that could be confused for a nail file that might have been used here. I don't know. And also, the idea of, like, someone just handing him a nail file and be like, here, use this. It's just, it, it confuses me. Last version of events for this story. So, as I mentioned, Tyrone Howard had three sons with him. So, the youngest of those sons was two-year-old Terrence Howard, who you may know as a Hollywood actor. He was an Iron Man. 
He played, um, what's his name? Rhodey? He's in Empire. He plays, um, I don't watch Empire, but he's like one of the main protagonists. Yeah, so he's like a famous actor. He was That's in- wild. Yeah. I remember I was watching, the first time I heard about this case was in a video on YouTube, and it was like a crappy, like, countdown. It's like, top five weird Christmas stories. And then, like, they just end it on, and Terrence Howard was the guy's son. And then that's it. That's <laughs> just where they end up. Like, whoa, 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 what? That's so, that's wild. So he was two when all this was happening. And he swears that he remembered what happened. So when he was promoting his new film, Crash, on Oprah, he was like, I remember everything that happened. This was actually the first time he ever spoke publicly about it because Mm -hmm. obviously it was very traumatic for him. So he says that the whole thing was very racially motivated. There it is. Yep, there's the racism. It's always there. Mm -hmm. So he said, according to him, Fitzpatrick didn't realize that Tyrone was a member of the family, that he had lighter skin than everyone else, so he just assumed he was white. So he started referring to the rest of his family as the N-word. He just flat out called them the N-word. Oh, no. And that's what led to the fight. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. So, again, um, he didn't say anything as far as, like, how the fight went down or what was used to kill him. He just said Mm -hmm. that that was the real motivation, not the cutting in line thing so much. It's just the the racist language Mm -hmm. that Fitzpatrick used. Not to defend the murderer here, Mm -hmm. but, like, you are using a very strong racial term in front of someone's children. Yeah. Yeah. If that's what happened. If that's what happened. I'm not saying that justifies it, yeah. But that does sound like a better motive than you you, you kept my line to yeah. see Santa. I want to see Santa. <laughs> so a lot of people have actually come down in uh, like against Terrence's version of events including his father. Oh. His father insists that there was no racist motivation at all for this killing. And a lot of people questioned how he could remember it so perfectly if he was two years old. Mm, Yeah, it would probably be fuzzy. Yeah. It's like, I remember one thing when I was two. I remember going to see the Barney movie in theaters. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember much of it. But also, this was a traumatic event. Yes, yes. But there's also something called false memories. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, he maybe when he was younger, he heard... Someone who may have implied that this was a mm-hmm. racial thing. Yeah. Like what happened to me at work today. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, he creates this false memory. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't, personally, I don't think we can completely believe what he's saying here. Mm-hmm. And a lot of things that I think, one thing that I think needs to be factored into this too is that the movie he was promoting was Crash. Mm-hmm. It was a very famous Oscar bait movie when it came out in 2005, and it's all about racism. And that's kind of like the theme, so to speak, of the interview, because he's just like talking about his own like quote-unquote crash moment that happened in his life. That's kind of dirty. Yeah. 
Yeah, so if he's twisting it just to sell a movie, I'm just like, eh, Terrence, don't do that. <clears throat> yeah, that's really scummy. Yeah. I also know, I've read that there's a lot of animosity between him and his father. Like, his father was very abusive to him. So I don't know if that's a factor in either his father saying that he's not telling the truth or him going against what actually happened. Mm-hmm. So who even knows what's happening with that? Maybe his dad is just like, how dare you use this to promote your movie? Yeah. I'm just going to say that that's not true. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, we don't know. So this all proved to be so controversial that I couldn't find the interview anywhere. Apparently oh, at wow. one point, it that particular clip was on Oprah's site. Mm-hmm. I tried clicking on old links to it. It just sent me nowhere, basically. So I could not find it for the life of me, unfortunately. That's fascinating. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's so funny because I read on on like the first sentence of this this uh incidents Wikipedia page. It's like this was nationally famous, but then I look into it and it's like I can't really find a lot of information and I can't find a lot of concrete information. Maybe that's because there really isn't. Maybe, you know. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. So again, getting back to the cold hard facts of what happened. We'll talk about the aftermath of this. So Tyrone is charged with second degree murder. So I, <laughs> the other day I put up like a thing on the, our uh, Instagram story where I was just looking up the definition of, of murder in U.S. law. And that's because I was trying to get the exact definition for second degree murder because that mm-hmm. always confused me. Yeah, me too. It still kind of confuses me. I'm not going to lie. So, first degree murder is you, it's premeditated. Okay. Like, you go in knowing you're going to kill this person. Mm-hmm. Second degree, I'm still kind of fuzzy on it, not gonna lie, but it's more so you had intent to kill someone, but it wasn't planned, like, months and months ahead of time, or even a few days. Okay. It's just you had intention to kill someone. And then... Third degree murder, I'm not even going to get into because most states don't actually recognize it. Okay. So he's tried for second degree murder again, and he is actually found guilty of manslaughter instead. So I'm guessing it didn't specify because I know there's different like stratifications mm-hmm. of manslaughter too. So you have voluntary and involuntary manslaughter. But I'm guessing it was voluntary manslaughter because Wikipedia where I go to for all my legal advice, said that second-degree murder is kind of like a bar fight ends in someone's death. Involuntary manslaughter would be like a bar fight ends in someone's death because that person, the murderer, found out that the uh, person who got murdered was sleeping with his wife. Okay. So, you know, there's like a, like a crime of passion element to it. So I think ultimately people found that there was racial motivation for this because even in the articles that was that were published at the time, they kept saying that Jack Fitzpatrick used this phrase when he thought that they were cutting a line. He said that the act of cutting in line, like this is going to set your race back five years. Mm. And you think about the time when this took place too, and this is 1971, Five years from that would have been the mid-60s when the civil rights movement's really kicking off. A lot of that is very fresh wounds. So, yeah, I could see how it unfortunately escalated into violence and death. 
Yeah. So, yes. Um, he serves 11 months in total. For some reason, like, in Ohio, manslaughter can get you 1 to 20 years in prison. And I feel like that's such a huge that is, disparity. Yeah, that's it's like really big. 1 or 20. <laughs> There's no in between. Spin the dial. See what you get. Yeah, right. So he only had to serve 11 months of that in total. And he got out early on good behavior. Okay. And that is the story. I mean, it sounds mostly like self-defense. I don't know exactly how badly he was pinned underneath Mm -hmm. Jack, Mm -hmm. but it sounds like it was in self-defense. Yeah. uh, That's kind of where I fall on all of this, too. I do think there was a racial element to it, Mm -hmm. even though Jack's family insists that there wasn't. No, of course they most, would. Yeah, that. most other accounts do say that something like this did mm-hmm. happen. It's so interesting. I I don't hear a lot about this case, but it's such an interesting rabbit hole to fall down because there's yeah. so many different sides to the story, and that's what drew me to it in the first place. <laughs> no killer Santa this time, but maybe next year. Maybe next year. Hmm. All right. Ready for my Christmas mystery? Yes. All right. I mean, mine wasn't really much of a mystery. It was just like, what, just is, what actually questions? Happened. Yeah. Uh, Twas the night before Christmas when all through the house, five solder children asked to play and stay up later. Maurice, 14, Martha, 12, Louis, 9, Jenny, 8, and Betty, 5, asked their mother if they could stay up and play with some of their toys before going to bed. I'm talking about the solder family fire. Boop, 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 <laughs> so it was in Fayetteville, West Virginia, 1945. Country home, take me road <laughs> to the place. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to set the scene. Yeah, I don't know the song. So. West Virginia. I only know that part that we just scream West Virginia. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's only the, that's the. One important part. Just like Jolene. I'm like, I don't really know the song, but I know Jolene, Jolene, Jolene. Got it. Perfect. I'm like, that's the important part, right? Yeah. I mean, the song's named after her. I'm assuming that's the only part you need to know. Yeah. All right. Back to Christmas. The Sauter family had nine children, and this was the five middle children. They asked to stay up later and to play with some of the toys that they were allowed to open the night before. Mm-hmm. Oh, so they had Christmas like us, where you get one present at Christmas like Eve. Like you, because yeah. I open everything on Christmas Eve. Okay, yeah. Okay, fine. Well, because it's technically Christmas, because yeah. it's midnight. It's, it's cheating, but okay. Um, the mom agreed as long as they would turn off all the lights and lock the door. This is the 1940s, so I know that sounds wild, but that's just how they do. Mm-hmm. Um, later on in the night, the phone rang and the mother went to go pick it up. She said it was a strange woman on the other side, on the other side who was asking for someone. Mm-hmm. And the mom was like, I'm sorry, like, no one lives here by their name. And the woman was like laughing really weirdly and they hung up and Ooh, she's like, whatever. Creepy. And, um, so after the phone call, the mom noticed that the lights were still on. The kids weren't in the living room, but the lights were still on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she was just like, rah, 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 darn kids. Yeah. <laughs> so she turned off all the lights, and right before going upstairs, she heard, like, a noise that sounded like something falling and rolling, but she just ignored it and went to bed. And a few moments later, they smell smoke, 
and they open the door and there's a fire in the hallway. Mm -hmm. So the parents can't get to all the children, so they just kind of yell and tell everybody, like, get out of the house. Mm -hmm. So they're in the front lawn, the mother, the father, and four of the oldest children. The five middle children who stayed up late are nowhere to be seen. So the father decides to get the ladder that's on the side of the house. They always keep a ladder at the side of the house. Mm -hmm. It's gone. (laughs) And then the dad's like, let me get the truck and drive it to the side of the house. I could stand on it and we could get the kids out through the window. Uh The trucks won't start. This source said trucks. Uh So I'm assuming there was more than one. This Um, is so infuriating. (laughs) I listened to this first on a podcast, and that's why we drank. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember if they said the wires were cut or unplugged, Mm -hmm. or that the trucks just won't start. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get more into that a little bit later. But basically, they were forced to stand outside watching their house burn, hoping to see their siblings and their children run out of the house. Mm -hmm. They never did. Um, by the time authorities came, you know, the house was already ashes, like, mm-hmm. completely gone. Mm-hmm. And they concluded that the fire was started by faulty wires, and the children sadly passed away in the house. However... Where are the bodies? Exactly. They claimed that there were no remains. No! That is incorrect. Try again. <laughs> so, immediately... The family is like, what? Yeah. (laughs) Like, what do you mean there's no skeletons left around? And, you know, the fire people are like, we're the professionals. They burned. There's nothing. They were in on it. (laughs) And the parents are also like, okay, but you also said this was an electrical fire. The lights were still on when the house was burning. Mm -hmm. If this was an electrical malfunction, the lights would have all gone off. And, you know, the fire people are like, I'm sorry, are you the fire department? I'm just imagining they said it exactly like that. Like, snapping in their faces. (laughs) So the parents were insisting that their kids must have been kidnapped and were asking for Mm -hmm. a more, like, an investigation. Yeah. But the authorities refused. So, the mother took it upon herself to go to a crematorium to ask them, like, hey, how long does it take for, like, a body to burn and to turn into ash? And this is where I found out the fact (laughs) that I told you. They basically told them, like, bodies burn at this, like, super high temperature. I think it was Uh 3,000? I'll fact check that in a minute. Mm -hmm. Check on your phone while I'm talking. Okay, Yes. This and, is, I'm um, so glad this is going to be in my Google history. It's just going to be a ton of murder stuff, and then how hot does something have to be to melt a body? Great. Um, so it has to be at the temperature that we're going to get for you in a moment, and it has to be for at least two or more hours. Um, the house fire was de- would definitely not reach that temperature, and it was done under an hour. Mm-hmm. So do the math. There's no way the bodies would have turned to ash in that time. Um, Unfortunately, the father did bury the house because he said it was, like, really emotionally traumatizing to continue to see it. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people say a lot of evidence was covered up or tampered with. But there was a reinvestigation, and they did find bones Mm -hmm. and, like, an organ. So they sent that to be analyzed, 
and the bones were concluded to have belonged to people who were much older than the five children and not related to the Sauter family at all. And that the organ was a cow liver. Interesting. Did they Mm -hmm. have a farm? Did they have cows? I don't believe they did. Okay. And if they did, there would not be a cow liver in their house. I was thinking, like, maybe it could be, like, a godfather thing, you know, when they put the horse's head in the bed to intimidate someone. Mm -hmm. It's like, here's a cow liver. Don't mess with us. We'll get back to that. (laughs) Uh, Put a pin in that. (laughs) Put a pin in that. Um, So I'm trying to find an answer to this. Oh, Oh, you okay? Yes. I'm trying to find an answer to this, but... um, Surprisingly, Google isn't helping much about trying to melt human bones. Um, say like, how much, what temperature does it take to turn a body to ash? What temperature does a body melt? Um, most of what a human consists of doesn't have a melting point, so a person must first pyrolyze into carbon. So I'm assuming that's the fire process. You have to burn yourself into carbon. At this point, it will take about 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit to melt a pile of carbon ash left over after pyrolysis. So it's going to... You're going to need some serious heat. Much more heat than just a house fire. Yes. Is the basic summation of that. That's what we can conclude, at least. Yeah. We know that it will... It's definitely going to be hotter than Mm -hmm. a house fire. Mm -hmm. Neighbors apparently reported seeing people throwing stuff. Mm -hmm. Some sources said fireballs. Others Mm -hmm. just said throwing things Mm -hmm. Um, at the house. And some neighbors also reported seeing the children in a car with strangers. And some people reported seeing the children in like a town or two over. Mm -hmm. Um... The authorities still refuse to investigate. Oh, good old-fashioned cops. (laughs) The Sauter family put up a billboard asking for information and a reward for, like, anything. Mm -hmm. The reward was never claimed. No one ever came forward. In 1968, so this is, like, 22, 23 years, Mm -hmm. um... The mother received an anonymous envelope that contained a photo of a man, and on the back written was Louis Souter, I love Brother Frankie. I'm like, L-L-I-L. Mm-hmm. Boys. Boys. Um, you know, the parents are completely convinced that the photo of the man was their child. Mm-hmm. Once again, they went to the authorities. They didn't do anything. Oh my god, please... Um, the parent, the family never stopped looking for answers for their children, but unfortunately the parents have passed away with no answers. Mm -hmm. The reward for information is no longer available. Are any of their siblings still alive? Um, my source didn't list that. I would assume that some of them would be, or at least like generations would still be alive. And I'm pretty sure that they've never... They've never given up yeah. on finding out, like, what happened mm-hmm. to my brothers and sisters on mm-hmm. Christmas Eve. Theories. Theories. All right. One of the more popular theories, due to the lack of enthusiasm from the authorities, <clears throat> is that there was the mafia involved. Yeah. I've heard this one before a little bit, mm-hmm. but please tell me. 
the I couldn't find anything that sourced that they had problems mm-hmm. with the mafia exactly. But that was just such like a big thing because I think people said that they knew that the authorities were involved mm-hmm. with the mob. Mm-hmm. So they were like, they're not like, well, we don't really know what the family did to like upset or offend them, mm-hmm. but they probably did something. Yeah. But the other thing that doesn't make total sense is that Mrs. Sauter, her brother, I think worked for the fire department mm-hmm. or yeah, I think he was a firefighter. So he was there. Yeah. Those are his nieces and nephews. Yeah, so you think there would be someone in the fire department who's on their side on this. Yeah, who's, like, banging his fist on the table, like... trying to get stuff moved around and stuff, but... That wasn't the case. Yeah. I mean, if it's one person going up against an entire institution like that, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, they're probably not going to make much headway. Mm Mm-hmm. And... So, I don't know. I find the mob theory a little fishy. Yeah. Like, it sounds pliable and good and all. But then what did they do to actually incite this incident? What was the motive? Yeah. (laughs) Most mobsters don't get bored and Mm -hmm. set a house fire and kidnap children. And I also the fact that the neighbors were like, oh, yeah, we saw the kids getting into a car. What? Yeah. I, I also don't really like the mob theory because, like, the mob knows how to get rid of people. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why we've never found Jimmy Hoffa. Mm-hmm. It's like, the fire is too messy, like, there's too many variables there. And then they just flat out saw the kids get into a car. Another theory is that this was just, like, kids... Like teenagers just being jerks, mm-hmm. and they were they were throwing like fireballs into the house. Uh huh. And then you know you might think, well, what about the ladder? I don't know about the ladder. Maybe mm-hmm. they moved it so they could throw things into the house. Mm-hmm. And regarding the car, um, I told you this the other day. My car battery just kaputed mm-hmm. the other day. My car is less than a year old in my possession. This was a brand new battery. Nothing was left on in my car. Mm-hmm. It was just dead. And yeah. it wasn't even like, oh, I could turn the key and put it in neutral mm-hmm. and push it. No, it was gone. Yeah. So Sometimes things like that just happen. Yeah. It's weird that if there was more than one truck, that it was both of them. Yeah. And it's very fishy in this situation. Mm-hmm. But it is still possible. Yeah, it is something that could have just happened by happenstance. Would the weather affect a car battery like that? I'm not sure. Okay. But this was both my car battery Mm -hmm. and this story are both in the winter. Yeah, so that's what I was thinking. It was like maybe the cold weather might have had something to do with it. It sounds stupid. Is West Virginia cold? I I don't know West Virginia like that, so... I do know they have mountains there, so... Maybe it is cold in West Virginia. Does it get cold in West Virginia? I'm sure it gets cold in West Virginia. (laughs) I think it gets cold in West Virginia. I I think that's a safe bet. (laughs) Okay. So, yeah. We're going to have a bunch of people being mean to us now. If you're from West Virginia, please send us some information regarding your beautiful state. Yeah. Y'all got Mothman. Yeah, you have Mothman, you have the Flatwoods Monster. Oh, you guys got all the cool stuff. Yeah. We just got the Jersey Devil. 
I mean, I like the Jersey Devil. I didn't say he was bad. I love yeah. him too. We're getting off topic. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. I'm going to look that up. Can car battery, can weather drain car batteries? I was going to say, unfortunately, at this point, with this case being so old, I feel like there's a real fear that we just might never know what happened to these five kids. Yeah, unfortunately, this is just one of those cases that will probably, unfortunately, never be solved. Mm -hmm. You said this was in in the 40s, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. And it's, I mean, we're solving cases from the 60s now. But, um, yeah. car batteries can be drained by the cold. Okay, so maybe that had something to do with it. Mm-hmm. Would, although, I don't know how close the cars were to the fire, because that would... I don't know. I, I don't yeah. know science. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, unless the car is on fire, then mm-hmm. you can drive the, the car while it's on fire. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> although heat can also affect the car battery. Yeah. That's weird. It just won't start. <laughs> Getting back to this is just an unfortunate circumstance, though. What is a cow liver and bones that do not belong to the family mm-hmm. doing in the house? Wait, so the bones that were found in the house, did they prove those weren't human? Or did they, did you say, you said that they were older than the children, definitely. Yeah. But were they human or not? Let's see, this is why I shouldn't have been lazy and looked at other sources. Um, I do believe they were human. They were human. Because then why else would this one source I looked at <laughs> say that they were older than the children? Uh-huh. Like, why not just say, like, they weren't human bones? I mean, yeah. Be like, oh, these bones are older than the children. They're cow bones. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Um, but we did find out that... They did have a farm, and they did have cows. Yes. Were any of their cows missing? Was that one of their cows? Um, There was nothing that I saw that said a cow was missing. Mm -hmm. Um, But that still doesn't explain the bones. Yeah. That were not theirs. Mm -hmm. But that was another thing. People were like, okay, but if someone's trying to cover their, you know, their steps, why would they throw random bones in there that clearly would not belong to the kids. I mean, this is also the 40s, so mm-hmm. it's very possible that the person didn't think that people could tell the difference between animal and human bones. Well, at least get or, one that's, like, the right Yeah, or, like, or possibly date them, like, as far as mm-hmm. how old they are. So maybe they just straight up didn't know that that's mm-hmm. the thing you can calculate. Another theory I heard of is that, um... This was an indirect threat that someone used the Sauter family to threaten someone else. Really? Yeah. So, like, mm-hmm. they were like, you know, the person threatening the other person was like, you think I won't do something? Look what I did. Ooh. But there's, like, no other information. It's just, like, mystery A, mystery B. Yeah. A, you know, attacks the Sauter family to threaten B. Mm-hmm. This case is really infuriating. I remember, like, a long time ago, I, I watched a video on it, and it's just nothing adds up. It really... Nothing does. Nothing makes sense. Who was that on the phone? Was that just the weird yeah. person calling? Yeah, no. that That's super sketch. And also, the, the, the photo that they got was weird, too. Yeah, like, like was that ugh. someone for real, or was that someone just being yeah. a jerk? Um... 
It could have very easily just been someone being a jerk. I hate people. Yeah, people suck. Because I have heard of that in cases where it's like, people will pretend to be missing loved ones. They'll be like, oh yeah, you know, I'll help you find this person. Just mm-hmm. I know where they are, just give me $10,000. You know, unfortunately, that if a case does gain a lot of publicity, the family is open to things like that. So, who knows? It could have been him. It could have just been a sick prank. Okay, but this is 20 plus years in the future. Uh Uh-huh. I really don't think that this case had as much publicity Mm -hmm. in the 60s as it did in the 40s. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But then again, I don't know. Let's just hope that maybe DNA one day can close this case. Yeah. Um, this is actually one of the reasons part of me is, like, maybe I should do, like, Ancestry.com. Do it. Just so, like, I can help. Like, mm-hmm. it's kind of, like, I'm kind of against it because I'm like, well, now the government has my DNA and they they could sell it to whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm also like, but my DNA could, pro- could possibly help, like solve some cold cases and that would be pretty great yeah i also i'm i'm kind of like on the fence about it too but it's just it's amazing how many cases we've been able to solve just within the last few years just because of things like that you know yeah that's why i'm like maybe i should do it yeah because like just just imagine like you you know do your dna thing whatever Mm -hmm. and a few months later or a year later you find out one of these like horrible cold cases was fine. Yeah. What if your DNA solves the Zodiac? Right? <laughs> I mean, that's that's what happened with Golden State Killer. That's yeah. why they caught him was because one of his, like, distant cousins uploaded their DNA somewhere. Yeah, that's wild. They, they yeah. were, like, closely related. That yeah. was wild. Although, that's another scary thing. Like, what if you do that and then it's like... <laughs> My dad's a serial killer. <laughs> Like, what if that happens? I mean, that's, you know, that's just the risk you take. Sometimes you solve a cold case. Sometimes you find out your dad's a serial killer. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. Do we want to... Well, wait. Before we bring up our toddler and Tierra, I want to bring up Lacey Peterson because that's yeah. like... Oh, I feel like that's a little easier. Yeah. Let's um, talk a little bit about Lacey because she that is a very famous case that happened around Christmas. That's also another one that's like, like I said, I only saw the docuseries when I went to look into more research. I did see some things pop up where I'm like, maybe I should do a little more heavy research. Yeah. So maybe someday we'll cover this in full detail, but more so this is just like a discussion of what we Mm -hmm. have heard so far. So here are the facts. Lazy Peterson was eight months pregnant and it was Christmas Eve. Um, her husband, whose name I'm forgetting, Scott, Scott, I was going to say not important, but Scott, (laughs) it's Um, kind of important. Scott was like, I'm going to go fishing. And Lazy's like, cool, I'm going to go walk the dog. I'm sorry, where do they live that they can go fishing in December? Um, California. Okay, fine. Continue. I think it was San Francisco because she was found in San Francisco Bay. All right. Uh, spoilers, she was found dead. Um, Scott went fishing. No, he went to, like, his office to pick up the boat, and then he went fishing. Oh, excuse me, Mr. Boat had an office <laughs> man. This, these are his alibis, because this is his timestamp. You know, they could confirm when he got to his office. They could confirm, like, through the ticket to park. Mm-hmm. And when he was checking it, they could confirm the timestamps and be like, mm-hmm. okay, this is what happened. This yeah. is where he was at these times. Yeah. 
However, he says that during these times, his wife was walking the dog. He gets home, notices she's not there. He's like, oh, she's probably still out. Or he went to, like, her, you know, her mom's house. Okay, wait. How long was he fishing for, and how long does he think that she's going to walk the dog for? He also thought that she probably went to her mother's house at this time. Fine. Okay. Okay, Um, Scott. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So he showers, notices she's still not home, starts getting suspicious, calls, like, her her mom mm-hmm. and she's like no Lacey's not here and that's when he's like okay I'm gonna call the cops mm-hmm. call the cops and they start looking so almost immediately the cops start suspecting Scott rightfully yeah. so because nine times out of ten yeah. it's the spouse you always have to look at the spouse mm-hmm. first so I'm cutting a lot of details here um Scott has apparently been super fishy from the beginning, mm-hmm. like very not emotional, pretty aloof. I think they said like two weeks or two weeks or two months, and I know that's a pretty big gap, yeah. but I can't remember. Sometime within that gap, he apparently ordered pay-per-view porn. Yes, I remember hearing yeah. about this. This like, is like one of the most damning pieces of evidence yeah, to get. Him. A lot of people were like pointing at that and yeah. they're like, Your wife your pregnant wife is missing. And you're ordering porn. Um later on in the case they found out he had a girlfriend on the side. Yes. yes. And this is the biggest damning piece ever. Mm-hmm. Um he had told his girlfriend before, a while ago, he had told her that his wife was dead. That he did not want children, and that this was going to be the first Christmas without his wife. I am in a fish market right now. (laughs) Okay. So, sounds like he killed his wife. Yeah. Just based on that. Yeah. But here's the things... I guess, pro-Scott, where mm-hmm. it's like he did not kill his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, they claim that his wife did not know he had a boat that was proven false. Mm-hmm. The people, like, with... He works kind of, like, in a warehouse type of thing where there's, like, a few other buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, like, neighbor businesses were like, nope, she's been here. She's seen the boat. Yeah. It's kind of hard to hide a boat from someone. From your wife. Yeah. Um, two... They claim that he made anchors and tied it to her limbs to throw her into the bay. Uh-huh. Oh, they said that when he went fishing, he was actually dumping her body in broad daylight. Yeah, you know, in the San Francisco Bay where there's no a one around. A bunch of people. There's no one around for miles. He, By the way, when I'm saying he has a boat, he doesn't have, like, a huge boat. Yeah. He has, like, a little... It's like a dinghy. He has a dinghy. Okay. So they were saying that he weighed his pregnant wife down and threw her already heavy body with cement anchors into the bay. Yes. And did not cause a big commotion, did not tip his boat over. Yeah. Which has been tested. Some people, when this was first in case, they were like, no, he could have absolutely thrown her off without the boat tipping over. But then, like, they tested again, and they're like, yeah, there's no way. Yeah, in broad daylight. Without... Like, he would have tipped the boat over. Yeah. There was that. Then the con- the cement used for the anchors, because they were like, where's the other cement? Because he claims he only used the cement to make one anchor. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you bought a whole bag, where's the rest of the bag? And he's like, oh, I put it, like, in the gravel in my driveway. Mm-hmm. They claimed it was never there. It was there. Uh-huh. Um... During his timestamp, while he was fishing, some, apparently, fishing or driving to the marina, I think it was, 
um, someone in his home was Googling sunflower umbrellas. And sunflower is Lacey's favorite flower. Mm-hmm. And, like, she loves sunflowers. So they were like, who was Googling this if, according to the timestamp, Scott wasn't at the house? Yeah. And people tried to say that he did that to try to throw it off. Um. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that doesn't yeah. really make sense. No. Um, there was... A bunch of people who reported seeing her walking the dog. Yeah. And the police didn't really follow up on them. And there's, like, a lot of other evidence that's, like, Scott clearly didn't do it. Mm -hmm. But here's my two... Here's my one favorite piece of evidence. Uh Uh-huh. There were two other pregnant women who were murdered before Lacey within this this time. Yeah. And one was found in a similar state as Lacey. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't sound suspicious. No, it's fine. And on the same day, earlier that day, another pregnant woman called the police to tell them that these suspicious guys were staring at her. She works, she works at a store. She owns a store. Mm-hmm. They were staring at her through the store. And as they start to like approach her store, she like locked the door mm-hmm. and was like, you know, getting freaked out. She knew that they were, like, going to hurt her. Yeah. And this woman claims that when she heard the news about Lacey, she was like, oh, my God, that could have been me. And she re- she called the cops again. Yeah. And mentioned, like, hey, I have this report. You should look into that. They didn't. Mm-hmm. But my favorite thing about this all is that Scott was um, sentenced to death. He's still on death row. Mm-hmm. He has not yet been yeah. murdered. And this happened... Killed him. <laughs> He's not yet been killed. I mean, murdered by the state. Yeah. So, um, this all happened in the early 2000s, just yes. to give people context. Mm-hmm. Because his family keeps um, applying for reappeal. Uh-huh. But here's the thing. Um, after this whole case, which the entire court case was, like, nonsense... Mm-hmm. Um, one of the jurors was being interviewed by Larry King, and he asked them, so how did he do it? And the juror said, well, I'm not really sure. What do you mean? And Larry King's like, wait a minute, you sentenced the guy to death and you don't know how he killed his wife? Because nope. that's the whole thing. They don't have a murder weapon. Yeah. They don't have a cause of death. They don't have a time. They don't have anything. All they have is circumstantial evidence uh-huh. and motive. Yeah. Which is, unfortunately, not enough. Yeah, it's something, but it's not <coughs> It's not taking you the whole way, though. Exactly. So, like mm-hmm. I said, apparently there's a lot of details that I still need to look yeah. into. You know, this documentary was very heavily conducted by Scott's family. Okay. Although Lacey's family was part of it. Uh-huh. It was very much focused more on Scott's sisters. Than the family of the victim. Yes. All right. So I'm just putting that out there. Okay. From so what I saw through that, you know, I'm kind of, I'm not saying Scott didn't do it. I uh, honestly still think he probably did. Yeah. Because like, who tells their girlfriend, my wife's dead, I don't want kids. Yeah. And then when your wife just it, somehow. Yeah. When your wife is alive <laughs> and is pregnant and then she ends up dead. Yeah. It's like that. Oh, and he was still texting this girl on the side, by the way. No. Yeah. Acting like nothing happened. Yeah, so I'm still just yeah. like, I think you killed your wife. Yeah, I I tend to, I don't know all the details because it's been a while since I've heard anything about this case, but I tend to end up in the more anti-Scott camp mm-hmm. just because he 
he just seems so off and weird. He's so scummy. Yeah, it's just, I don't like him. So. But I, I recognize that that's not enough to sentence him to death. <laughs> that's where I am. I feel like he should have gotten life in prison. Yes. Yeah. For now, until they could completely prove you killed your wife. I mean, not to get political or anything, but I don't think anyone should be sentenced to death because I don't believe in the death penalty, but. I always go back and forth between that because part of me is like, mm-hmm. yes, like I don't think anyone should be sentenced to death. But then I hear like those weird cases of people who are just the devil incarnate, and mm-hmm. I'm like, kill him. Um, okay, are we ready All to right. go on a not so deep dive, but a deep dive? Yes, so we're gonna dip our toes, and then it's gonna be like one of those puddles you think isn't too deep, and then you just fall in and you're submerged. And like those gifts of people jumping into the puddle and they vanish. Yeah, that's exactly what we're gonna do. Because now it's finally time to talk about the granddaddy of all cold cases. I mean, they, they already know it. They already know. We, we teased it throughout this whole episode. Casey Anthony. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Casey Anthony was born. <laughs> no, we're talking about the toddler in Tierra. Jean Benet. John Benet Ramsey case. All right, let's give a very, before we get into super detail, let's give a quick thing of what is that case? So, <laughs> what is that case? But on, did this happen, was, did the, was this discovered on Christmas Eve or was it discovered on Christmas Day? This was at the 25th through the 26th. So we don't know exactly when she died, but she was discovered on the 26th and it is heavenly thought that she died sometime on the 25th. But, like, when, like, the cops were called and everything, that was the 25th? Uh, no. So, the cops were called. So, real quick, this happened in 1996, if you don't know. I feel like everyone knows at this point how this goes. But, so, the Ramsey family in Boulder, Colorado, they are celebrating Christmas. They, it's the 25th. Everyone's all happy. They're super rich. So everything is decorated for Christmas and it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's like a Hallmark movie. Except it's not. Mm -hmm. So they wake up super early on the morning of the 26th. They had a flight to catch. And this is when it all starts. Sorry. I know we've been saying toddler and Tierra, but like, for everyone who doesn't know, Jean Benet was a beauty queen, if that wasn't obvious. Yeah, she was. So that was like one of the very big sensationalized parts Mm. of this was that she was a... She was basically the the prototype of that show, where she did a bunch... She was very popular on the child pageant circuit. So that was the thing, like, everyone was talking about. It was like, how could these parents exploit their daughter like this? And yeah, I think definitely... She was six years old. Don't do that to her. But I feel like a lot of people got caught up in that and didn't so much look at the facts. We'll know? get... We'll get in... I have a lot of strong feelings about those pageants, but that is a topic for another day. Yeah. So, it's five-something in the morning, and that's when the first infamous part of evidence comes in. Patsy calls 911. And so, what we have is a very interesting conversation between her and the dispatcher, where a lot of people have analyzed it. They don't... People go back and forth on whether or not this is, like, clearly staged... Or, you know, no, this is a genuine concerned mother. I haven't actually listened to it because I, I kind of don't really like listening to 911 calls like that. It freaks me out. I only heard pieces of it in a documentary. Mm-hmm. But allegedly there's a part towards the end 
where she thinks she hangs up the phone and she's kind of like, okay, now what do we do? So, hmm. I didn't hear that part. I didn't hear that part either. There was actually a gag order on the 911 dispatcher who was talking to Patsy, which is like, why would you need to put a gag order on a 911 dispatcher? Hmm. I think we have some pretty strong opinions that are starting to come to light. Mm -hmm. I just want to say really quickly, I don't think we'll ever know for certain what happened. I don't either. I just, there, it's been over 20 years. There's a version of this story that fits everyone's agenda. If you think one of the parents did it, if you think Burke did it, if you think the government did it, if if you you, think Satanists did it, if you think Satanists did it, if you think Santa did it, everyone's done it. (laughs) If you think pedophiles did this. That's such like a horrible joke, but Santa was actually one of the suspects. Well, we'll talk about Santa in a little bit, but yeah, there's just a version and there's different evidence for like everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I heard the theory that she was a prototype for making mind control slaves because of the taser mark on her. And if you stun someone enough, you can basically wipe their mind and use them as a slave. What the heck? Uh, oh, yeah. What about the what about the theory that she's Katy Perry? I put that towards the very end, but we can talk about that now. She <laughs> she's Katy Perry. She's alive and well. She's touring. She's just making terrible music. She's not alive and well. Katy Perry is awful. Yeah, no, she she's not great. I mean, like maybe she's well in health, but yeah. Anyway, yeah, I. I don't know where that came from. I don't know if that started as... I think it started as an actual conspiracy theory someone truly believed. I actually did look up a little bit of that for the episode. So, originally, it seems like it stemmed from this YouTube video of someone just comparing their facial structures. Hmm. That's like, people can have similar faces and not be the same person, so... Mm -hmm. I'm I'm gonna go out and say very controversially that John Bonet is not alive and is Katy Perry. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, everyone. I know that's not what the popular thought is, but... <laughs> it's not the popular thought? Yeah. Alright, so... Immediately after 911 is called... I'm so sorry, I wanted to mention in the 911 call, at least the part that I heard that was pretty damning from the get-go, uh-huh. was that the first thing her mother said was, there's been a kidnapping. Yeah. Like, she immediately assumed, apparently, no, she already had the ransom note. Yeah, which we'll talk about more, but... But, like, they say, like, nine times, like, 9.9 times out of ten, a parent's response is, like, something happened to my daughter. Yeah, or, like, I can't Mm -hmm. find my child. And they would, like, she didn't even, like, ask for help. Mm Mm-hmm. It was, like... It's a very damning phone call, yeah. unfortunately. Another thing is she actually tried to hang up, and that was another thing a lot of people scrutinize, is that when you're on the phone with 911 and, some, and there's an emergency, you tend not to hang up. You Most dispatchers say, like, you know, stay on the line with me, tell me what's happening, describe mm-hmm. the situation. You don't usually hang up. You don't, you don't try to destroy that connection there because mm-hmm. it's usually you're supposed to stay on the line until the police actually get there yeah but patsy hangs up and she starts calling all the friends and family to let them know that jean benet is missing as you do as you do this becomes a huge problem later because as 
any friend and family would do, they start showing up at the house and we get into crime scene contamination. As you do. Yeah. As you do. And you mentioned the letter. So let's talk about that ransom letter. Let's talk about the also very damning letter. Yes. So if you really if you're interested in forensic linguistics, I really recommend looking into this case. I found a whole site that just breaks down the letter word for word. They also have a breakdown of the 911 call and mm-hmm. some of their media statements. So I think that's really cool. I think the way we use language is very telling. Mm-hmm. And it certainly mm-hmm. is in this case because oh my god, does that letter not work in their favor? Not at all. So it was written inside the house. The letter came from inside the house. The they, call is coming from inside the house. They they proved it. It was part of Patsy's notepad. Mm-hmm. And they also proved that there were missing pages in the notepad. Which, I mean, you know, that could just happen from using it, you know, as you would use a notepad. But there is one page of it. The page right before the letter, the ransom letter starts, I believe, that starts Mr. and Mrs. and it looks like someone's starting starting to make a letter R. So a lot of people believe that that was a practice letter. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing not looking great for them. <laughs> the letter itself has been analyzed to death. People say there's basically too much of it because if you're writing a ransom letter and you're in someone's home already, you're not just gonna like sit down and like write your manifesto out. Yeah, from what I've heard, they say um, ransom letters are usually like at at most a paragraph long. Mm-hmm. This letter was like eight pages. It was it was a crazy amount. Yeah. It was a book. Yeah, it was basically a memoir. <laughs> it really was. And this is what someone wrote in the house. Yeah. It's like, all right, let's 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 go with the intruder kidnapping theory. Just entertain that <laughs> for a little bit. They You're... sat down at that table and took their time. Yeah, it's like they broke into the house. They kidnapped Jean Benet. I guess they have her in the basement at this point. So I sit down and write a letter. Mm-hmm. And people, for when, when I hear about the intruder theory, most people say that it's just one person. So could you imagine trying to, like, corral the six-year-old into listening to you, and you're also trying to write down your life story? <laughs> you know? Like, that, that doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. And this sounds like the intruder, like, knew what he was doing, so yeah. why write the letter in the house? Yeah. Doesn't make sense. To be fair, pro-intruder theory right here. Mm-hmm. The Ramses they were so rich that they were giving tours of their home for Christmas, just so people can see, like, all the Christmas decorations that they had up and how beautiful and lifestyles of the rich and famous. Yeah. So, someone could have gone in and, like learned the layout of the house during that time. I don't quite see how they would memorize it to the point where they knew where Jean Benet's room was and where to find the notepad and all that. Oh, another thing about the ransom note. I'm not sure if you were going to mention it, but uh-huh. like, do you want to mention how much they wanted? Yes. So, <laughs> mind you, again, we mentioned it before, but the Ramses are stinking rich. They're mm-hmm. millionaires. Mm-hmm. They're living mm-hmm. comfortably in Boulder, Colorado. They have 
two, I think, private planes. They have, I, I think, two homes, too. They have definitely have a summer home, and then they have the house in Boulder. They are very well off. Yeah, they're good. Yeah. Th- this intruder asked for 18, was it, no, $118,000. It's like, hmm, why would that be such a specific number? That's such a small yeah, and specific. It's, it's very small and specific. But Allison, what else is weird about that number? Well, it just, it turns out that uh, our, old, our old pal John Ramsey, that was... The exact same amount as his Christmas bonus that year from his job. Wow. Wow. Interesting stuff there, huh? Hmm. I also feel like if you're asking for ransom, you would, it, it would be more a more round amount. Like, why not? One billion dollars. Right? Like, you would ask for, like, if you're going to stay in that ballpark, I guess it would be like 200000 or something. Mm-hmm. Would make more sense. Then, you know, just like, I want three point two five dollar. But also, pro, I mean, team, it was not the Ramseys. Uh-huh. What, why would they choose that number? Yeah. I feel like that's such a dumb thing to do. Be like, oh, honey, what number should we put down? Oh, to put that number. That's what I got for yeah. my Christmas bonus. Anti-Ramseys here. But um, what if, you know, you're not even thinking about it. It's just the first number that pops into your head. Mm-hmm. And then you realize later, oh, crap. Wait a minute. I feel like it had... I feel like... I cannot confirm this, but I feel like it had to do something with, like, that was the money they had on hand. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe it was a yeah. check they already had, or they had it yeah. with them. Something like that. I feel like that goes back to what we were talking about a little bit before in this case. There's evidence to, like, prove or disprove any and everything at this point. Yeah. What, That's why we keep going back yeah. and forth between pro-Ramsey. Yeah, pro-intruder, anti-Ramsey... Pro Satanist. Yeah, pro Satanist. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna also say it wasn't the Satanist that they No. Didn't. No. That theory is way too wild. Yeah. Not that it's impossible. I don't. But it's yeah. wild. I, there's a few interesting theories that I've heard throughout the years, which we'll get to. But first, let's go into what we know kind of for sure. So, at this point, people are in the house. The police are there. The police get the brilliant idea to be like, hey, friends and family who are over, help us look for stuff. Which just spits in the face of all procedure. I think, like, some people said that this was, like, new investigators because all mm-hmm. the, like, seasoned ones were home with their family. Yeah. I, I, I've heard that before, too. Mm-hmm. I don't know how true that actually is, but... No, I, I wouldn't discount it. Yeah, no, like, I'm not saying, like, yeah. oh, don't blame the cops, because that's why. No, because even if you're a new investigator, you should know better than that. Yeah. Especially when... Go on. So, everyone's looking in the house. Everyone's investigating stuff. A detective actually went to the wine cellar door, looked at it, and turned around. Because that wasn't important. Nope. It's like that door didn't need to be opened at all. And around 1 p.m. that day, that's when John Ramsey and his friend Fleet White, I believe his name is, which, can you get more hoity-toity than Fleet White? (laughs) (laughs) They go into the wine cellar, and unfortunately, that is where they find Jean Bonnet dead. Mm Mm-hmm. And... 
this is one of the most infuriating things and like one of the things everyone knows about this case John immediately picks up his daughter's body and runs it upstairs and lays it out on the ground destroying so much evidence and contaminating the crime scene but wait there's more uh, Mr. Ramsey, because I forgot his name. King Ramsey's. King Ramsey's. <laughs> Pat, when he came up, the officer took the body from him, put her on the floor, and then the mom comes running up to her, throws herself on the uh. body, crying and, like, touching her everywhere uh. in, like, a state of disarray. And everyone's like, great, you just completely contaminated everything. All three of you. Yeah. Good job. Good job. Wow. So, uh, I guess if we tested everything, you guys would show up anyway, so. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not my place to stay. I do want to briefly talk on cause of death, just because I think it mm-hmm. is important. So, her official cause of death was strangulation. She was garroted, <laughs> which is a particularly brutal type of strangulation, which I won't really get into here. And she also had blunt force trauma to the head, which was found upon autopsy. So they didn't see that originally when they found the body. They did see the strangulation tool still around her neck, and then mm-hmm. later found out that she was also bludgeoned. But mm-hmm. that was not the cause of death. Um, the bludgeoning was severe enough to possibly cause unconsciousness, but it was not, again, the cause of death. Mm-hmm. So, upon autopsy, they also found that there was a piece of only partially digested or undigested pineapple in her stomach. Um, it was undigested. Huh? It I don't know which I don't know which one actually, but I know it was weird because the parents said they didn't feed her pineapple. Yeah. So their story was, they got home from a Christmas party the night before, and they immediately put Jean Benet to bed. Mm-hmm. So they didn't. I don't believe they changed her clothes at all. They just put her to bed. But they're like, if she went straight to bed, why is there undigested pineapple in her stomach? That shouldn't be. They found pineapple on the kitchen table. Yeah, it, there was pineapple just flat out on the kitchen table. Um, upon analysis, Patsy's fingers were on the bowl, and Burke, her brother's fingerprints, were also either on the bowl or on the pineapple itself. And the parents admitted, like, oh, yeah, we gave some to Burke. Yeah. Did we mention that Burke's her older brother? I did, did just say it, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, um, yeah. That's a, that's one of the many inconsistencies that come up in the Ramsey story. Mm-hmm. It's, and they all start adding up very quickly, because... By Patsy's admission at this point, she saw the ransom letter, read the first sentence, and ran to tell everyone. But then later on, she says, we need to give them the exact amount, something like that. So at some point, she read the whole letter then. So she was lying about that. Mm-hmm. She, she didn't say that she read the whole letter, but to have the information that she did, she would have had to have read the whole thing. Hmm. And, like, that plus the pineapple, it's not looking too good. Mm. What were, what was up with the Taze remarks? That That's so weird and yeah. out of place. Yeah. So they did find, again, upon autopsy, they found two very small marks on Jean Benet that 
many people say was from a taser or a stun gun. I'm not sure if there's a difference between a taser and a stun gun. But then they also said it could have been Burke's train set. What? That would have yes. They, there's multiple sources that say that Burke's train set was the exact. There's two points on it that are like the exact same space apart as a taser for some reason to cause these marks on Jean Monnet's body. Sounds fake, but okay. I don't know. I like I said, I heard it in multiple places, but mm-hmm. again, with this case, who knows what's real anymore? Was yeah. there ever really a Santa Claus? So for a while, the Ramses aren't talking to the media. Eventually they do, and it just looks even worse for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, the whole investigation for this from the get-go was botched. And I found out this was only made public in 2018, I believe, because the records had to be released to the public. Yeah. So in... This is a direct quote from Wikipedia. Shout out, Wiki. In 1999, a grand jury returned a bill... Okay, maybe this is going to be a paraphrase because there's lots of legal jargon in here. Uh, so they, a grand jury basically convened and wanted to indict the Ramses with placing a child in, in risk in a way that led to her death and obstructing an investigation of murder based on probable, probable cause standard. And then the Boulder County DA shot it down. So they were ready to move forward with this. They're, like, ready to go. They're, a grand jury wants to indict them. And then the DA is like, there's not enough evidence. Oops. Not at all. No. Oh, wait. Do you want to go back real quick to the ransom letter and talk mm-hmm. about the other point of detail about it that made it fish? I mean, there's so many ones. Um, so with the ransom letter, there was a lot of, like, stupid misspellings in it that you like very easy words that most adults could spell um you do see this a lot in true crime so like other famous letter writers zodiac killer btk they also misspell very easy words to kind of throw the cops off Mm -hmm. but the word attache was spelled correctly which is a word that i had never heard of before this case like what is that word and how does it relate to that it's like charcuterie board for me. It's like, it's one of those rich people things. It, it was like, an, they wanted the money to be delivered in an attache case. It's like, nah, if you're, if you're an intruder who wants money, it's just like, give me the money in a suitcase. I don't know. Put it in a shop right bag. Yeah. No, I was going to mention how, um, the, um, handwriting analysis oh, okay. said like it was a 89% match. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to Mrs. Ramsey. Yeah, so upon handwriting analysis, I every place I saw says that like they completely ruled out John. Mm-hmm. Patsy was inconclusive. The documentary I saw... Oh, you know what? Because they said the first page they couldn't connect to anybody. Uh-huh. But the pages after, yeah. they were like very close mm-hmm. to Patsy. Yeah, there were certain flares in her writing that showed up in the letter so the way she wrote her a's was very distinct and that's something i've heard that's like yeah it it matches up she used the phrase and hence which is another Mm -hmm. big famous thing from this case and um that's not very 
common in modern day English to say and dance. Mm -hmm. But they found her writing that in a Christmas card that went out in previous years in Boulder. Mm -hmm. So they're just like, hmm. You, you know who else uses and hence? There was also another phrase she liked to say that came out a little fishy. What, what, what was that? Well, when she was being interrogated, um, she liked to answer, uh, not that I recall, a lot. Doesn't sound weird. But then um, her son, who was like, how old was he? He was nine. So he was nine. You know, very sophisticated. Very. Yeah, he was. He was nine, and mm -hmm. he answered a lot of his questions. Um, not that I recall. Hmm. What nine-year-old says not that I recall? I mean, I did. I was fancy as heck. I mean, I would just say I don't remember. I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember. Maybe he's just really smart for his age. Not that I recall. <laughs> This is getting lengthy and we're yeah. not even there. I know. See, this is us dipping our toes into this because you could make a six-part docuseries on this. You could just write books and books and still not even scratch the surface on the amount of heckery that's happening here. Let's bring up Santa real quick. All right. So, yeah, let's let's talk about theories. Yeah. Let's talk about Santa first because it's the one I find the most fun. So. The most fun. At one point in the investigation, Santa was considered to be the murderer. That's it. <laughs> but, um, no. So, it was actually the man playing Santa at, I believe it was the Ramsey's Christmas party, was it? Or was it a... No, it was the other Christmas party. The one they went friend. to. Okay. So, their friend's Christmas party hired a man to play Santa, and his name was Bill McReynolds. But, um, I'm sorry, I wanted to add also, this was a man that they had continuously hired to play Santa. Yeah. Like, that was one of his gigs. He was, like, he was, like, a regular Santa man. And not just for this family, but for others, too. Yeah, so, like, he grew up. I mean, he grew up. <laughs> he grew um, up. Jean Benet grew up with this yeah. man as Santa. Yeah, he was, like, a local figure. He was one of the local Santa Clauses. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like, this is a strange man who's met her for the first time. Like, no, he's yeah. seen her since she was in diapers. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure he had been in, in the home as Santa before at some point. Yeah. Like, they have had Christmas parties where he was there. Yeah. So, well, what makes him think Santa did it? Well, he had a daughter, and his daughter's friend, when they were younger, they got kidnapped. Um, they never found who did it. So, ha! Santa did it. Yeah, if you can't guess by now, uh, the Santa Claus theory kind of falls apart. It's just it's like an unfortunate <laughs> circumstance that these two. There was also the yeah. fact that um, during one of their Christmas parties, uh, Jean Benet did give Santa a personal tour of the house. Yeah, and then the Christmas party that he was at mm -hmm. before she went missing, Santa let her know that you're going to get a big surprise before Christmas. I mean, to be fair. I feel like all Santas are required to say yeah. that to every children. I feel all like children, rather. I am definitely not pro-Santa for this yeah, story. Yeah, I am very anti-Santa. <laughs> I'm like, I really do not think Santa did it. I don't think so either. There was the very circumstantial thing that his wife wrote a play in which a child is kidnapped and killed in a basement. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, I feel like that might be her trying to 
work out her trauma with what happened to her daughter and her daughter's friend. So I'm just like, that's not really of like, that's not the most interesting thing to me. Yeah. What is interesting that I heard, and I can't find a lot of, like, this is one of those things that sometimes gets mentions and sometimes gets left out of things. So apparently Jean Benet, because she was close to him and knew him, gave him a gift for Christmas. She gave him a little vial of glitter. Have you ever heard about this? I have not. I only heard about this recently. So, and he was so moved by it because and in all of his years playing Santa, no one ever gave him a gift. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's cute. And then he wanted, when he died, he's like, I want you to mix my ashes with that glitter and release me out into the world. Oh, that's not cute anymore. Yeah, I was like, oh, no, this got weird. That got really weird. Go yeah. fast. Yeah. And just like, maybe it's just, again, him trying to deal with the trauma mm-hmm. of, you know, a similar thing happening, like what happened with his daughter to this other girl that he knew. But it it sounds sketch, but I really I don't think mm-hmm. Santa Claus did it. Okay. So we got theory number one. Yes. The mother did it. Theory number two, the parents did it. Yeah. I like to lump them together. Yeah. I like to keep, like, the mom separately because she was the most suspicious. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, some people think John did it on his own, too. Yeah. So okay, so like... theory number three, John did it. Yeah. Theory number four. <laughs> Santa did it. Theory number five, that we're not going to talk, the Satanist did it. Yeah. I couldn't even find anything about Satanists. I know initially they said that's what they thought, but there's no evidence. The thing with the Satanists, it kind of goes hand in hand with John did it, when they're like, it also goes hand in hand with like the pedophile ring Uh that I don't want to discuss. Yeah. So like those three different theories also kind of bleed into John did it. Mm -hmm. Um, Theory number five. Were we on? Five or six? I don't know. 17A. 17A. Uh, Burke did it. Yeah. Before you talk, because I know you found out new information now, so maybe you're going to change my opinion. I honestly, for Burke did it, is not something I'm pro. Mm-hmm. Because in my mind, mm-hmm. Jean Bonnet was their cash cow. Mm-hmm. She was this really popular beauty queen. She was bringing in more money. Burke was just there. So what you're saying is he had motive to kill his more popular sister. He may have had motive, and that is true, but why would the parents cover it up? Because John already lost one daughter in a car accident. Which is another thing where it's like, John did it. Yeah. (laughs) He loses another daughter because Burke accidentally kills her. I, I honestly think he accidentally did it. And he doesn't want to lose another kid. It just doesn't add up to me. Because, like, okay, let's say Burke accidentally killed her. Mm-hmm. Um, Why not get the police involved right away and be like, oh, my God, there's been a terrible accident. Mm-hmm. Like, you could have probably saved John Bonet. I don't know. And it's an accident. Yeah. Your son's not going to go to jail for an accident. The Ramseys just seem like very strange people that want to... Give a certain air about themselves all the time. So I can totally see, like, they're not going to want people to know that their son accidentally killed their daughter. That they would never want that to get out. You know, because that's going to ruin their family name. That's going to ruin his future. That's going to ruin their future. I'm saying in this theory, she's not dead yet. Mm-hmm. Like, he he yeah. bludgeoned her first, and uh-huh. they think, oh my gosh, she's dead. Mm-hmm. I don't think Burke 
was like, now I have to strangle her to make sure she's dead. No, I Oh, no, he didn't do that part. I think they did. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, so instead of calling an ambulance and Mm -hmm. saying, like, there's been an accident, she Mm -hmm. fell down the stairs, you're just gonna finish the job? I mean, that doesn't make sense I, to me. I think they probably thought she was dead at this point, so they just tried to stage it, and in the process, actually, actually killed her. And then come up with some BS that she fell down the stairs. It worked for that one guy. Yeah. People will go out of their way to save face. Like it is Ugh. ridiculous. <laughs> I'm just like I don't know. I'll agree with like Burke did it on accident. Mm-hmm. I don't think he intentionally killed his sister Mm -hmm. yeah there was motive i just don't think it was on purpose yeah i was just i was playing devil's advocate there but i really think it was just a tragic accident that got Mm -hmm. way out of hand is what i think in the end also i don't think it was an intruder however i I have seen evidence Mm -hmm. that said a person could have gotten in and out Mm -hmm. of the house because a lot of people are like there's no way someone could have gotten in and out Mm -hmm. Another per- another theory I said is they could have taken the body out and brought it back. Why would they do that though? Because they got scared, and that's a so lot of dumb, people were though. saying a lot of people were saying like that's not possible, blah, blah blah. And they actually proved like yeah, you can do that. Okay, but I feel like that's not a smart move. I feel like you no, would yes, try to you would try to find a dump site. Mm-hmm. It's Boulder, Colorado in winter. Just take her up to the mountains or something. Yeah, but. I'm not saying I agree yeah. with that theory. But. Yeah, <laughs> that makes it sound like a like a bad comedy sketch, you know? Like, oh no, put it back, <laughs> put that thing back where. It, oh my god, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I think from most sources I've seen, most people have agreed at this point that it was not an intruder. Mm-hmm. You can find lots of pro intruder stuff, but I think in the end. When, ty- when these types of crimes happen, overwhelmingly, it's the family that's perpetrating it. Yeah. It's not... As much as many true crime stories as there are about home invasions, they're not as common as, you know, the person you know killing you. <laughs> yeah. It's just the home invasion ones are scarier, so that's why we hear about them more. It's like, it's terrifying to think that just a random person would break into your house and kill you and your family. No one mm. wants to think about that. Yeah. But, you know... I think it's scarier when it's like, hey, your, your parents could kill you. Yeah, that's horrible. When yeah. I was younger, I used to be like, when I would hear cases of like parents kidnapping their own kids, I'm like, wait, how does that happen? Oh, it happens. It does, it but happens all when the time. I was younger, I was like, wait, yeah. that doesn't make any sense. They're your parents. Yeah. How do they kidnap you? But now I'm older and I know. I'm wiser. Yeah. A lot of theories I've seen, a lot of people want to bring the government into it Mm because of, like, John Ramsey's work. He worked for a company that eventually became a subsidiary of Lockheed Martin, which is a huge jet company that makes military craft. Mm. I I don't think the government has anything to do with it. Someone made a really good point where they're like, if... In the letter, it says, like, we're a small foreign faction... So it's, like, super vague, and it's like, oh, it's made you th- it's meant to make you think it's, like, a terrorist group doing this, but why would they then kidnap the daughter of this guy who owns a subs... Just, yeah. I don't think he, even think he owns it. I think he's just, like, higher up in it of the subsidiary of Lockheed Martin. 
you know, which isn't a government mm. organization. Yeah, they have government contracts, but they're not purely a government organization from what I know. Can I just, I know we said we weren't going to talk about it, but mm. on the pro-John theory, I'm not going to get into too many details, but there is that theory that he was involved in the child abuse ring. Uh-huh. I'll name it that. Yeah. And the reason I bring this up is because you said that he did lose a daughter. Yeah. So the idea with that is that his daughter used to be a victim of this. And when she saw it happening to Jean Benet, she was going to go and like report him. And that's when she mm-hmm. mysteriously got into a car accident. Yeah. I don't remember when her car accident happened, though. It's the only thing. I don't remember where this falls into the timeline. Mm-hmm. I just know that her car accident was kind of like weird. Uh-huh. And then, you know, he already lost a daughter mm-hmm. and now he just so happened to have lost a second one yeah under mysterious circumstances yeah and i know i think he, i'm pretty sure he had sons from his previous relationship yeah, too he did hmm just saying so that's christmas that, no wait there's one oh more, there's, there's more there's, more <laughs> there's always more there's always more no one talks about this theory, but this is one of my favorite stupid ones that I've also heard of recently. So, there is a lesser-known serial killer whose name is Ed Edwards. His, mm-hmm. his name is Edward Edwards. Oh, no, 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 I know this guy. Yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, it's great. So, he's suspected of doing this, but he's also a suspect in the Zodiac murders, yeah. tying it back to Zodiac. He's suspected and, in so many murders. Yeah. Because there was, like... Because when they finally knocked him and, like, found out, like, how many people he killed, they started to think, like, wait, he could have killed this many people. But it's like, yeah. no, you're just... No, it's it doesn't so make stupid. Sense. I love it. He's killed everyone at this point. Apparently. Yeah. He did that. He did the Sweetheart murders. He did... Well, uh, he actually did do the Sweetheart he murders. Did. <laughs> he did. He did the, um... What was it? The uh, making a murderer murder. Mm-hmm. He, he's guilty of that. He actually is in the documentary for like a second. He's just like in the background. It's weird as heck. He's just in the background waiting. It's like, sup? <laughs> <laughs> I killed John Bonet, except he definitely didn't. Yeah. Wasn't he like. I don't. There was one murder case where they were like, he did it, and it's like, he was three. <laughs> no, that's Ted Cruz this is for the Zodiac murder. <laughs> Wait, really? Uh, I think so. Ted Cruz was, like, three when Zodiac was going on? He was either three or wasn't born yet. I don't remember. (laughs) I still think he did it. Alright, so we solved it. Ed Edwards and Ted Cruz were the Zodiac team. And Jean Benet... 1960s to 70s. Jean Benet just doesn't get solved ever. Yeah, unfortunately, she probably will never be solved. I'm I'm so sad. This poor people forget like this poor little girl is just never going to get justice cuz all these politics and money and like news media they all want oh, yeah. to Oh, he was born in the 70s, so he can't be the Zodiac killer. Darn. Or can he? Dun dun dun. <laughs> but um yeah. It's just it's become about everything except for the victim at this point. It's yeah. very sad. I remember when the 20th anniversary rolled around, everyone wanted to do a special on it. And I was like, oh, let me watch some of these, I guess. It'll be interesting. Lifetime, because of course they did, have a, they have a terrible movie about her murder in which she narrates the investigation from beyond the grave. 
It's no. very. Oh, is it Lovely Bones? Are you thinking no, of Lovely no, Bones? No, it's basically Lovely Bones, but <laughs> even more bad. Good. Yeah. So don't check that out is my recommendation because I felt gross watching it. So rest in peace, Jean Benet. Hopefully one day maybe you will find justice. Yeah. Maybe people will be able to put themselves aside and actually work on this case mm-hmm. rather than hiding indictments and you know and running tabloids about, you know, this quote unquote like <laughs> Child pageant star slain horribly. Look at the autopsy pictures. And also, leave some of the crazier theories aside and really look at the facts. Yeah. It's like, we poke fun. It's fun to talk about the crazy theories and that she's Katy Perry and all that, but don't entertain Mm -hmm. that stuff. And I'm not saying take them off the table, but put some to the edge. Yeah, it's like, just know when it's going a little too far. Don't completely go down the rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. Like... In the documentary I saw, there was that one guy who swears he was the one who did it. Mm-hmm. You no know, one's like, why are you, like, not in America at that time? Oh, was it John Mark Carr? <laughs> the weirdo? Yeah, the pedophile. Yeah, him. Yeah. He's like, no, it's me. And they're like, yeah. you weren't in America. <laughs> he just, he wanted attention. I didn't even want to talk about him, but I'm just going to mention him really quickly. So, there was this former teacher, actually, who fled America because of child pornography charges and he was hiding out in Thailand and he's like, hey, I did it. I killed Jean Bonnet. And yeah, I'm pretty sure he was just looking for attention. No, you want to know why he did it? Why? He was going to go to jail in Thailand mm-hmm. and then he found out um, jail in Thailand is awful. Yeah. And that he would be much better off in jail in America. And what case can he go to jail for if he gives himself up, but he won't get the death penalty. Jean-Benet Ramsey. He's scum. Yeah, I no, hate he's him. garbage. Don't don't entertain him. Do not entertain him. I saw the documentary and they interviewed him and I'm just like, ill. Don't, why? yeah, no. Keep him away from all of this. He has no place. He ruins Christmas. He, he, he really did. So, as you can see, we really could just go on about this forever. If you guys like us talking about true crime, let us know. Maybe we'll do these more often. Allison absolutely wants to do these more I often. I love talking about murder. I do, too. Crime is my favorite. My... Every podcast in the world talks about murder. Yeah, but we're goths talking about it, which apparently isn't allowed, but we're going to do it anyway. Oh, we're going to talk about... That's going to be a whole subject. Yeah. You know, it's it's kind of like skinny people can eat a whole bunch, and it's funny, and it's cute. They could wear shirts that say, like, I love pizza, and it's cute, and it's fashionable, but my fat ass can't. Right? Because then I don't like my body, and I'm just killing myself. (sighs) This got weird. Yeah. Merry Christmas, Christmas, Merry Merry Christmas, Christmas, Merry Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah. Oh, it's still going to be Hanukkah when this comes out, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Happy Hanukkah. Joyous Kwanzaa. Happy Yule. And winter solstice. Winter solstice. Festivus. And we will see you guys before the new year. Alright. So take care. Be safe. Uh, don't trust Santa. Don't go see him in the mall. Uh, don't invite him into your house. Speaking of you Santa. You will end up dead. Allison and I wanted to like take a picture with Santa for this podcast and just for ourselves. Mm-hmm. But like every Santa wants like $40. Yeah. It's just like I don't have... Santa money. I don't 
got forty dollars to sit on some old man's lap. I mean, <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> Bye. Good night.